The Marlins were swept in Baltimore, but I don't think it was all doom and gloom, but we do see the early impact on the early Perez decision. But there's tons of guys coming back, including Johnny Cueto making his return. Tons to get into over the last couple of days. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England. Welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on Twitter, guys, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod, firstly, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, it is the Monday morning episode. It is bright and early here in the UK. Bit drizzly, but it is what it is. But hit subscribe. This, of course, is your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. There is a YouTube channel. Head on over there, hit subscribe there. Also, trending towards 1,000 subscribers real soon. And listen, the, the, the view account is absolutely pumped. Everyone is loving the YouTube vibes. Everyone is commenting. It's great to see. If you want to engage and comment, head on over to YouTube. Leave comments there as part of the videos. It's been great to engage with you guys, uh, not just on Twitter, but on YouTube comments as well. Um, Guys, uh. This episode, let's start there. This episode is sponsored by our good friends over at eBay Motors. And uh, a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. All right, guys, tons to get into. The Marlins come out the All-Star break and they head to Baltimore in what is probably the hottest team in the AL. Uh, it was always going to be a big test. The Marlins were swept. Should we panic? We're going to talk about that. But <clears throat> for me, the main wrinkle here is the Uri Perez effect, the impact of Uri Perez being optioned, given a breather, and we see what that actually means on the field over this weekend in particular. Game one in particular and game three in particular. Those two games were connected and it all links to the Yuri Perez decision. Um, Johnny Cueto returned. All I, I mean, that was the biggest story on Sunday. It wasn't the fact that the Marlins got, you know, got off to a slow start in that game, going with an opener. But we get Johnny Cueto returning. Twitter was absolutely blowing up. We we're all waiting to see. Is Johnny Cueto going to be blown up? Is it going to be the end of his Marlins career after maybe an inning and a half? Who knows? But anyway, Johnny Cueto rolls it back. Three innings, scoreless for Johnny Cueto. Speaking about being back, Edward Cabrera. Sounds like he's going to be back on Tuesday to start in St. Louis. Eddie Cabrera going for the no rehab approach. I think he threw five innings a few days ago down with the, I think at the, Florida Complex League or something. So Eddie skipping those rehabs. There's no month-long rehab like uh, Johnny Cueto. Eddie being asked to get straight back in there. Jazz also has a timeline. And I also want to talk about Shohei Otani because I'm all aboard that hype train. I just want to talk about that as well. It'd be wrong. It'd be wrong if I didn't do that. Um, guys, but let's, let's go back to the weekend, the weekend series. The Marlins 
swept by the Orioles. Um, it isn't a disaster. And the one thing that stood out to me in particular on the Sunday game, the, U- the only UK-friendly game, so after I'd watched the Wimbledon final, by the way, and what a final, Carlos Calito, Carlos Alcaraz. Boy, oh boy, what a win against Novak Djokovic. This is locked on Wimbledon. No, it isn't. Um, but joined the, joined the game back end. Uh, I didn't quite see the start, but I caught up after. But the one takeaway I would say on Sunday was the Marlins looked cooked. They had, you know, the mop-up guys out there. Even in the ninth inning, they got a four-run rally going. They got it close. They brought they brought Luis Arias to the dish. So the Marlins were, were in it, even in the ninth. And to me, that shows this team, this the one beautiful thing about the Marlins. They never give up. They will never, ever give up. They are always scratching fighting, looking for that paper cut inning where the contact guys piece it together, keep the line moving. And they managed to do that on Sunday after what must be a disappointing, you know, series after the All-Star break. They went into the All-Star break feeling good, beating the fills, beating the cards. All-Star break comes along. Lewis Arias goes into the All-Star game and has an all-time appearance, like two hits off two pitches. What a stud. Stud, but you know, it was a disappointing series in a different way to the Brave series when they were recently swept. That's the one the other thing I'd say. When the Bravos clearly just blew the back doors off the Marlins, they completely demolished them. And it wasn't it wasn't the same with the Orioles. In a, in reality, the Marlins ended up losing two one-run games. They haven't lost one-run games, two of them probably back to back all year, probably. They've barely lost any one-run games. Um, but this this was a different series. The Braves just completely outclassed the Marlins. I don't think the Orioles outclassed the Marlins at all. Like, the Marlins were... They were they were in it. Particularly, you know, they were, in, they were in all three games. To be honest, Sandy. Sandy start. Good start. Dane Myers error. Dane Myers issue in center field. They'll happen. That's the problem. You've got Dane Myers playing center field. He's asked to do it. He's doing it. Uh, and he's doing it because his, his bat has to be in the lineup. Dane Myers absolutely continues to rake. Again, yesterday's ninth inning. Big spot. Big spot in the game. What can Dane Myers do? He can absolutely lace one down the left field line. Another molly hit day for Dane Myers. So Sandy Alcantara, a decent start. The Orioles just got, like, going into this series, I was thinking about the Orioles thinking, you know, offense looks good. They're winning a lot of games. The back end part of the bullpen is really impressive too for the Orioles. Um, but the pitching, the starting pitching, is not their strength. It looked like a strength in this in this series. Could be just, you know, the Marlins just kind of settling back in after the All-Star break. I don't know. Um, but I would say, whilst the positive, the positive at the back end of this series was, again, the Marlins will never, never quit. They never do. They're always in it, and it showed in that ninth inning. But for me, the other main takeaway, apart from Johnny Quaid, we'll talk about him uh, after the ad, I think, is the impact of the Yuri Perez decision. And the impact of that was felt in game one and game three. And unfortunately for the Marlins here, they have optioned Yuri Perez, but without a replacement. They've optioned him because they felt that they had to at that moment in time, but they haven't got a replacement around. Talked about a load of starting pitching options uh, on Friday's episode, 
talking about some potential rental or low cost options just to just to fill a gap at this point for the starting rotation. At that point, I wasn't clear how quickly Eddie Cabrera could be back. Um, obviously, Eddie being back maybe sooner. Uh, well, he's he's going to be asked to be back sooner. We'll see what version of Eddie Cabrera get back. Also, we'll talk about that after the ad as well. But what you saw in game one was a sandy start. You then get, you know, the non-leverage arms coming out. The Marlins then trying to, they were thinking ahead on the Friday game to the Sunday game, knowing it was a bullpen day already that was planned on a Sunday. Out of the All-Star break, the Marlins scheduled a bullpen game on the Sunday. So it's a pretty unique situation here for the Marlins. And that just shows the lack of pitching depth at this point. And just the serious amount of downgrade that you get by moving Uri Perez back down to double A. Skip Schumacher was making decisions on Friday based on the fact that he knew a bullpen game was coming on Sunday. It impacted the whole series. He was thinking about Sunday and thinking about arms. And in the end, they didn't win Friday. They didn't win Saturday. And Brazaban blew a game there. Braxton Garrett equally wasn't at his sharpest, it's fair to say. Like probably the, the roughest start maybe for Brax, apart from the Bravos one. Uh, but Brax, unfortunately, like the Marlins gave him the lead. They kept, you know, they kept the lead rolling, but Brax couldn't kind of keep it, you know, hold it down there with that one. But overall, I just, you could see the connections here between this Uri Perez decision and the fact that um, they knew they had this pen game. And so for me, this is the collateral damage. It's the impact of optioning down Uri without having a legitimate alternative then you have a bullpen game, and then you are managing your roster knowing that you've got a pen game slotted in once every maybe fifth day. And for me, it backfired. And you also talk about Stephen Okert being asked to go and as a starter, in effect, an opener. Um, lo and behold, Okert, you know, it was kind of hysterical in some ways, but like painfully hysterical, where Okert blown up. <laughs> the Marlins have got a very... Poor record, I would say, with openers. Like, they kind of tried to do it as well. Was it last season or the season before? They were trying to find a way to manage Eliezer Hernandez through it. How can you, you know, get 80 pitches, 90 pitches out of Eliezer Hernandez? Can you just make him miss the top of the lineup once? And then he can maybe rotate through uh, for maybe five, six innings. In those situations, too, I feel like the Marlins were poor, uh, with their opener that, you know, they try to manage Eliezer, then the opener will get blown up. Next thing is the game's blown up. Um, and then with that, overall, what happens? You get Johnny Cueto making his return. We're going to talk about that after the ads. And, and, you know, from a box score perspective, it was impressive. But if you were watching the game and you were watching Johnny Cueto's innings, I think there's... I'm a touch skeptical. I'm a touch nervous about what I was seeing with Johnny Cueto, and I'm going to tell you why after this ad. Um, but this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Sleeper. Yes, sir. Um, hold on there. I think there should be some There should be some graphics. Hold on. The Sleeper graphics going on here. There we go. Boom. Boom. For those watching, you'll see. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, but if you want a chance to win more money with less picks, Head to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Um, and heading into this Marlins series, um, you've got to be thinking about the strikeouts of Jesus, Jesus Lazardo. Like the Marlins, they seriously need 
They need something there. Um, and also, I must say, I'm, I'm thinking there's, there's a good chance of a big series from Jesus Sanchez. So over big time over on the um, on the home runs uh, for Jesus Sanchez next couple of days. Equally, I like the Jesus Lozado strikeouts. But if you want to win 100 times your money on daily fantasy baseball, Sleeper is now offering that payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big time. All you got to do is use the promo code locked on and you'll get up to 100 bucks match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Okay. Right. The Marlins were swept in Baltimore, but it isn't time to panic. The team continues to show what they show. The collateral damage of the Yuri Perez decision was obvious in the way that they managed their bullpen. Um, and I think that hurt them in the end. They they didn't play great in this series. And I I feel like it was a series where we had to see something different from Skip Schumacher and his decision-making, and it just didn't go the Marlins' way this time. It's baseball. They kept it close. They're always in the hunt. It's baseball. Sometimes you don't win. The Marlins have had so much voodoo magic this year. No time to panic. The Orioles on the road is a tough, tough ask. However, I wouldn't say the Marlins were fully outclassed. Not at all. They were fully outclassed in the Brave series. This was different. They were in it. They probably should have won at least one of the games, but they didn't. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. You move on, and the Marlins move on to St. Louis. Um, but let's talk about Johnny Cueto briefly, as I mentioned. Back in the mix, um, it was a low-leverage situation. The Marlins were 5-0 down. Uh, it's fair to say Marlins Twitter was absolutely humming at this point. Everyone was really intrigued to see what we were going to get. Are we going to get closure? That was the, the language I'd heard. Is it closure on the Johnny Cueto situation? If he rocks in and gets destroyed, is that the end for Johnny Cueto? And some people want it to be the end. I personally would like to see some production out of Johnny Cueto. That's 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 what we're looking for. Some people just want the drama. Some of Marlins Twitter just wants the drama. They want to see what happens if Cueto's blown up. What do the Marlins do? Do they eat the money or do they not? Um, we don't have that answer yet at this point because we got three innings, three scoreless innings from Johnny Cueto. Um, one thing that struck me when I was watching it was there was so many, there was line, all three of the outs in the first inning he, he, that he was out there were all fly outs. There wasn't warning track, but it was, you know, they were all fly outs to relatively, you know, deep positions in the outfield. Um, then as the, you know, as the other, the other inning started to happen, I was thinking, I wonder how many swinging strikes that Cueto's had. Has he missed any bats? Because I couldn't remember any. Everyone was fouling balls off um, or hitting them in the air for outs. And then they, he did get a couple of grounders, to be fair. But he, Johnny Cueto, in three innings of work, he only had one straight swinging strike. It was to get a strikeout as well, which was pretty crazy. Um, but Johnny Cueto, he is not missing any bats. He was throwing harder than he's thrown. In his rehab starts, which someone called out on, on Twitter, which uh, isn't a surprise in some ways where you, you're coming out of the pen, you're going to be able to throw a bit harder, potentially, because you know you're not going to have to try and go, you know, six innings, 90 pitches. So he knows his workload is halved. Equally, um, was he was he going full gas in, in AAA? That's the, the point I called out was like, was Cueto just kind of taking it easy? Just working himself back, not trying to strain himself like... And, you know, like I said, glorified spring training. Was that the situation? 
I don't know. But what I would say is when when Cueto comes out, throws three innings of scoreless ball, you then asking the question of maybe the Marlins should have started him. Should they have just started Johnny Cueto? Um rather than going with O'Kurt in an unfamiliar position and situation, who then gets blown up anyway. George Soriano did an okay job until he you know, kind of ran out of gas at the second time through the order there. Um, overall, was it the right call? Or should they have just, like, Cueto was built up as a starter. They built him all the way back up as a starter in, in, in AAA and through this rehab assignment. Should they have just slotted him back in and started? Would that have been waving the white? Because with Cueto, just who knows? Who knows what, what, and really, what, how could you predict this? Three innings, scoreless. Almost zero missed bats. A lot of contact. I am slightly skeptical about it. And that's probably why the Marlins aren't having a starter. They're skeptical too. But we'll see. The Marlins have a, have a need for a, a rotation guy. Brian Hoeing seemingly has been removed from the rotation um, as well. So that was, again, another interesting decision for me just in this whole weekend series was you you take Brian Hoeing out of the rotation after you know he's he's done okay and then you go to a bullpen game i'm not certain why that's been the decision but it was the decision anyway edward cabrera is coming back in all likelihood it's uh, unconfirmed i believe at this point it's tuesday slot it's his regular rest day um, let's see if there's any updates here on there on Tuesday. No, Marlins are still TBD, but we expect it to be Eddie Cabrera. Um, this is a big boost. We can't get away from this that having Eddie Eddie back for back into the rotation at this moment in time is huge because right now the Marlins are down to three starters, three man rotation. Eddie back in. That's going to be four. They then got a ton of off days sprinkled in over the next couple of series, like in between series. So I do wonder here if like this, this is kind of the thinking with Yuri Perez was like, it is the ultimate time for a breather. And the Marlins knew this Orioles series was going to be tough. They knew it was going to be tough. They didn't white flag it. They didn't wave it early, but it was that one series, that one game where you'd see it. Then you've then got the, all the off days after the all-star break. Like this was the right moment to give Yuri Perez a breather. It's just unfortunate. They just hadn't, didn't have any other options starting pitching-wise. Um, so we'll see. But Eddie being back is big. The question will be is just what kind of Eddie Cabrera do you get back, though? It's been so up and down with Eddie this season. Really up and down. The walks are a big problem. The stuff remains there. Like, we haven't seen a ton of length out of Eddie Cabrera all year long. So, you know, it, it's going to be intriguing. And, you know, what kind of... You know, what kind of pitch count is he on on Tuesday? You know, after like basically uh, an, an FCL rehab of what, like 60, 70 pitches maybe? Like how much length, how much gas is there in the tank? And all this kind of keeps bringing up the question of like how how much gas, how much tax is being placed on the pen? And, you know, guys like Soriano being asked to do stuff and, you know, we got Cueto in there and, Brazaban's kind of struggling a touch. Like Braz gave up a sack fly yesterday, but you know, got out of it as well. Hoeing's trying to do his stuff. Like the Marlins all of a sudden have got a ton of long relievers out there um in the pen because 
the rotation is not going as deep as it has been. And, um, you know, it's not traditional, right? It's not Sandy, Pablo, Lazardo from last year. Like everyone's going seven, you know, seven, seven, seven. Um, and then you just lean on your, your leverage guys. We didn't see Pop the whole series against the Orioles, which is always a bad sign uh, for what's been going on. Um, find a couple of topics, guys, then we'll get out of here. There's there's tons to get into really over this weekend. Um, but one of the other updates that did drop in was around Jazz Chisholm Jr. I believe this was on the uh, Andy Slater show um, with uh, Kim Ang. Uh, and Andy Slater, Kim Ang talking, Kim suggesting that <clears throat> they hope to get Jazz Chisholm Jr. back by the end of the month, or the start of August, perhaps. So, again, it's one of those with Jazz where um, the immediate feedback from him is, ah, I think I could have managed it and been back in a day or two. Next thing is, it's a month. Um, and so, you know, for Jazz, and particularly for oblique injuries, like, I, I'm perfectly comfortable with him taking the time. Take your time, Jazz. And, you know, for the rest of July... There's some winnable series there for the fish. There really is. August looks tricky. On paper, it looks tricky anyway. But overall, if the Marlins walk into August with Jazz Chisholm Jr. being back healthy and you get a full go of Jazz all the way, it's one of the biggest deadline acquisitions for any club. Any club. And speaking of deadline acquisitions, Shohei Otani will be the biggest story in Major League Baseball for the next two weeks. Be for, you know, for obvious reasons. Shohei Otani, expiring contract, and the Angels, are they in it? Are they not? Do they feel like they're in it? Do they feel like they're not? Should they sell and trade Shohei Otani? Should they extend him? Should they have already extended him? I don't think anyone knows the answer to that. Why haven't they extended him? Um, he's the best player that's ever lived. Best player ever. And I don't think we know exactly what Otani's intentions are at this, you know, moving into the offseason. Like, what does he actually want to do? Does he want to stay with the Angels? Would he like to stay on the West Coast but join another organization? Uh, I think the Giants is a good fit. I think the Dodgers are always a good fit. You know, Giants or Dodgers, does that float your boat, Shohei? It's up to him, and he, he'll have that decision to make in the offseason. But for right now, the decision is out of his hands. The Angels, if they want to trade him, they can trade him wherever. And if the Angels find a deal with the Orioles, with the Marlins, with the Braves, oh my days, then it is what it is. And you end up with a rental. Um, every club, every team should be calling on Shohei Otani. I'm pretty sure they they have been. Um, there's no reason not to call on Otani. And the Marlins should absolutely pursue Otani aggressively. They need a starting pitcher and they need a big power stick. He fits the profile. He fits everyone's profile. The question's going to be, and they, they, I don't, I'm not, saying the Marlins should trade Otani because they expect to re-sign him. No, they should trade and trade accordingly with the expectation that he doesn't sign with the Marlins. This is a pure rental. So if the Marlins can get a deal done for Otani, it would be wild. Otani has no decision in this anyway. So if the Marlins put forward the best deal to the Angels and the Angels are willing to accept that deal and to trade Otani at this point, there's no reason why Shohei Otani can't be playing for the rest of this year for the Miami Marlins. There is no reason. Uh, some would look to the, the farm system and say that is probably the reason that the Marlins don't have the ammo. But that isn't true. The Marlins do have the ammo. They've got plenty of ammo. They've got plenty of guys in the farm system that are highly regarded prospects. I'm pretty sure of that. We did hear Jake Eder. He was being heavily scouted by all accounts. 
Scouts in attendance started well in that start, then kind of faded. But nevertheless, you got Jake Eder, Khalil Watson, Jacob Barrels, Sixto Sanchez, former top 100 prospect. You've got Dane Myers, best prospect in baseball right now. Absolute stud. <laughs> but I think the Marlins, there's a deal to be made. And I also think with Otani, if he is traded, when he is traded, depends on kind of where the Angels go. Um, I do feel like it will be the type of trade where you'll sit back and go, wow, Otani's been traded. Holy smokes. Then you'll look back and go, oh, that's all it took to get him? Wow. Why couldn't we have done that? I just get that sense that it will be that type of deal. Otani's immense. But listen, the Angels, you know, they've had their money's worth out of Otani, more than their money's worth. They signed him, you know, as an international free agent. It wasn't like they drafted him and developed him. They signed him as an international free agent. He's overperformed that contract. Yes, he's the best player. But for right now, the Angels should take what they can to help themselves organizationally moving forwards. And there's no reason why they can't re-sign him in the offseason either. But a club's going to be overpaying right now for a rental Otani? Maybe they will. For some organizations, maybe they will. Should the Marlins do that? In this year in particular, when they are in the hunt, heavily in the hunt, who knows what next year looks like? Who knows what the years after look like? But could the Marlins add the best player in the game to help them this year should they overpay? It's a big question and a big one that a lot of fans would say yes to. What would be the impact in the future of the organization? Probably sizable. Are the Marlins legitimate at this point? Many would say no. But once you're into the postseason, anything can happen. And if you've got Otani in the mix, then you've given yourselves a much bigger opportunity. Do I think the Marlins swing a trade for Otani? No, I don't. Should they be inquiring? Every team should be inquiring. Do they have the ammo? Yes, they do. Are they going to make a decision to go forward with it? Or are the Angel is it going to be a better offer from other clubs? I think probably there will be bigger, better offers from other clubs that the Marlins are willing to make. But we dare to dream, guys. We dare to dream. Didn't think I'd be ending up on the Monday episode after being swept in Baltimore talking about Oshohei Otani to the Marlins, but here we are. Guys, thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day, and thanks for joining me. Of course, I'll be back tomorrow as we, we recap. We recap game one of this Cardinals series, and also we understand, is Edward Cabrera actually going to be starting in game two? Can the Marlins... Find a way to get the momentum rolling again. The offense was cold. Didn't even talk about the offense, really. The offense was pretty cold in this Baltimore series. Can the offense kind of find a way to heat back up against the Cardinals? This Cardinals series, by the way, just to finish up the final, final point, this Cardinals series is a tough one for the fish. The Cardinals offense is fine. There's, some, there's a lot of talent there. This Cardinals club on paper is fine, is good. They haven't, been, they haven't been playing good ball. But at any moment, the Cardinals can flip the script and start playing some good ball. This is a potential trap series, I think, for the Marlins. So they need to play well. If they sweep the Cardinals, then it's been, what, a 500 road trip. And we'll always take those. I'll see you guys tomorrow.